0: Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to The Way Christmas Service. I would like to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For making all this possible for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice so we could have a new life, eternal life, and a new purpose here on planet earth. But before he had died, he had to be born. And that's what this service is going to be about, the birth of our Savior. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and one another. Our goal is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way not our way God's word which is the bible becomes the owner's manual to our lives and we use it to see how God wants us to live act think serve and how to treat others thank you Jesus each part of his body is very precious to God i want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the christmas service We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, merciful Father, thank you for allowing us this time tonight, Lord, to gather together to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for getting us here all safely, Lord. Thank you for being the final sacrifice. Thank you for being born, Lord. So you could be the final payment for our sins, Lord. So we'll never be condemned again for our sins. And heaven is our home for all who believe in you, Lord. And thank you for that. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender hearted mercies that begin afresh every morning, Lord. Or well, without them, we wouldn't be able to go on, Lord and live a life worthy of our call. Thank you for giving us this church, Lord, and this assembly, and this ministry. Help us, Lord, to faithfully serve you, Lord, by becoming living sacrifices for you, and serving, Lord, and helping and loving people, Lord, like you love us unconditionally. We pray for the people who can't be here, Lord, that they have an opportunity to watch through the live feed or the phone service, Lord, so they can hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord. And let everything we do tonight, as always, Lord, be led by your Spirit, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray, and we all say, Amen. Okay, we're going to stand, and the girls are going to come and worship in the Spirit. And we're going to sing a couple of songs and get started. A beautiful song. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's great to see everybody tonight. I just want to say a special thanks to all the people that put in the effort and the hard work to get this all together tonight. Thank you very much. That was, was beautiful. We did a beautiful job of getting this all together, and we're grateful. One body, many parts. We all need each other. Merry Christmas! Here's <laughs> the season, amen? Just relax now. We're going to share a message on Christmas. We're also going to share the message how the Bible tells the Christmas story too, amen? So we can get the truth. Merry Christmas. These are the words that helped ring in the holiday season ever since I was a child. Now that I'm in my late 20s, oh no. The Bible says thou shalt not lie, so I can't. So, no. Now that I'm in my late 50s, okay, it seems like these words have become offensive to some people. It's sad. Public and private use of the term seems to have diminished over the last decade for fear of offending someone. It's strange that this term is associated with Santa Claus when the holiday itself was never meant to be commercialized like it now is. Can I get an amen for that? The true meaning was about gift giving, but the gift given was a gift to the world. A gift that cannot be purchased, purchased, but was and still is given freely to those who truly believe in the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the man who willingly gave his life to redeem our world. Jesus Christ, the man who history records as the true hero of humankind. Jesus Christ, the man who conquered death. From his birth to his death, to his resurrection, he was known as being something special. Whether you believe in him or not is a personal choice. But let's always remember, the fact is, Jesus Christ is the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. Amen? For many people, Christmas can be such a stressful and anxious time. Tell me about it. Maybe you're having a hard time trying to juggle family issues. Or maybe this season, you don't have a family and you're struggling with loneliness or sadness. Regardless of where you are, if you are struggling, we want you to know that God sees you and is here with you. God is our peace in this difficult life. He wants to take the weight on you and replace it with the grace and peace He offers. I get an amen for that? He wants to offer you a relationship built on love, And selflessness. Christmas is about Jesus. We have to understand. I know for me personally. When I go out there. Everybody's running around going crazy. Trying to get gifts for everybody. And getting all stressed out. And that's just what the devil wants. For Christmas. Oh I can't wait till this is over. When this is like the most time that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We, we can celebrate the birth of our Savior anytime, but this is when the world recognizes Jesus. Everybody does. Whether they believe in him or not, they know it's about Jesus. This is the true reason for the season. In Western cultures, okay, where Christmas is celebrated, celebrated however religiously or secularly, Most people have probably heard the name of Jesus and know that he's associated with this time of year. But if that's all they know, then of course Santa Claus and reindeer would take more precedence in their lives. The very word Christmas comes from an old English word meaning Christ's Mass. However, secular, some of them might be provide the perfect opportunity for Christians to talk about Jesus and the real reason for this holiday. Can I get an amen for that? This is the really opportunity for people who really know Jesus to let other people really know why we celebrate Christmas. Can I get an amen? The world is broken right now. We see it out there. People are broken. Now is the opportunity to provide them peace and rest and our Savior. Amen? And the only way we're going to be able to do that if we're practicing peace and rest of our Savior at this time of the year, but of course the devil wants even Christians to be all stressed out and not joyful. So they don't see anything, why would I bother? It's no different than if I wasn't with Jesus. So now's a perfect opportunity to show people, look, there's peace on earth right now. Peace in Jesus. Heaven is our home. This is just a temporary residence here. All who believe in Jesus is the Son of God. He paid the sin debt in full. He's never holding our sins against us again. Amen? That's an awesome thing. Just by believing in him. It's the gift he gave to us. Salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. Amen? The world is always full of pressure and performance. Jesus says, come and rest. Rest in my peace. Peace that the world cannot give you. Amen? You came here tonight you know that there's peace here. And it's just so beautiful and tranquil and quiet. But unfortunately, if you look, the pews are empty. The world has come in and taken away the true message and the meaning of why these churches were built. A sanctuary to give us peace and rest. You remember long ago, uh, on Sundays when I was growing up, Nothing was open. Everything was closed. Remember? Even around Christmas, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't go shopping. You couldn't do anything. It was a place, a time of rest, when families got together and they went to church and they worshipped God. They went home and had family dinner together and loved one another. Amen? Unfortunately, society has broken that fabric and the churches are now becoming hair salons and, and hotels unfortunately. And the devil loves that. But we know the truth because we know what? The word of God. So let's talk about the real Christmas story, okay? If you have your Bible, I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start there tonight. Is everybody with me so far? Thank you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah talks about a 700-year prophecy that he would come. The Messiah was on the way. that They were longing for. Look at verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Boy, let me tell you something. If this government rested on his shoulders, there wouldn't be so many problems now, would there? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was a prophecy 700 years before the Messiah was born that Isaiah prophesied. Just look at what he says, though. Wonderful counselor. You need a counselor? It's Jesus. Right? The Word of God. See, you have to understand, Jesus is not some guy hanging on a wall or serpent. He is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. We have to understand that. When The mighty counselor would be what? The Word of God. Mighty God. Christ in the flesh. Everlasting Father. The Redeemer everlasting life provider, the Prince of Peace. Everybody goes to the wrong place to get their peace. They go into their hobbies, or they go into their little cozy world and try to get away from everything. But the only peace that could really penetrate a human's heart is Jesus. That's where the peace needs to go. And he he left that emptiness in every human being so they could find him, and once they find him, they can rest in his peace. Amen? Instead of reaching for it. All right, while you're in Isaiah, go to chapter 7. We're going to continue in the Bible and learn about the real story about Christmas. Because the way I always learned about Christmas out with me doesn't really line up with the Bible all the way. They kind of twisted it up a little bit. But guess what? When we stick with the Bible, it can't be twisted. Amen? And that's what we do here. Look at it. Look at it says in Isaiah 7, verse 14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look. The virgin will conceive a child 700 years before she came. Listen. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By this time, this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong. He will be eating yogurt and honey. Wow, we've got a bad diet, huh? Yogurt and honey. I mean, the um, John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey. I think I would rather go with the yogurt, ain't it? <laughs> All right, now let's 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 go let's go to Matthew chapter one, okay? Let's let, let, let's read the Bible tonight, okay? Let the Bible speak to your heart tonight, okay? Is everybody with me so far? You can get an amen. Come on. This is a gonna be a great time. Just relax. Let the word of God speak to your heart because it's the word of God is what saves. Amen? Verse 20, Matthew chapter 1. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you want to name him Jesus. Now, I don't know if anybody knows what the name Jesus means, I'm going to tell you what it means. It means the Lord saves. That's what Jesus means, the Lord saves. For he will save his people from their sins. What do you mean save them from their sins? He became the final sacrifice for our sins. So we have no longer have to let sin control us anymore. Amen? We are no longer in slavery to sin. Jesus provided a way out so that our sin nature could be kept in check and we could start living a life like Jesus would live. And the only way that would happen is if the Holy Spirit would enter into a person and give them the desire to want to live a different life. Can I get an amen for that? And that's the only way that it could happen. You can't live an outward life and expect to have inward changes. You could, you could stop doing a lot of things outwardly, but that doesn't stop you from being angry. It doesn't stop you from being jealous. It doesn't stop you from becoming envious. It doesn't stop you from being proud. Now, listen now. The virgin will conceive. Verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which I just talked about. We're reading Matthew, and this is all the fulfillment of it. Listen. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And that was Isaiah 7.14. 700 years earlier, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Prophecy fulfilled 700 years prior. Now, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1. We're going to continue with this, and then we're going to go in the book of Luke. And this is the Christmas story. This is how it all came, how everybody pieced this all together. And I'm going to show you in the Bible how it says it. Okay, It explains it a little bit different. Because the Bible tells us, as soon as human beings get involved with God's stuff, they twist it and change things to their own destruction. But when you stay pure to the word of God, You get the ultimate truth, and it can't be twisted, and you cannot be deceived. Can I get an amen for that? And this ministry is all about the word of God and letting the truth speak out. Amen? And it's the truth that sets you free. Now, if you don't want truth, then it's gonna it's gonna might offend you or make you angry, but the truth is the truth, amen? And that's what sets us free. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men. Now, you hear a story about Christmas? They say three wise men. That was never stated in the Bible. There was three. It said some wise men, or royal astrologers in the Greek, or reads, magi. From eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, or his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. He's quoting Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Prophecy. And 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 2. Then, verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men as he learned from the t- that learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, we all know that's not why he wanted him. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now this is where you get the gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. People get this, oh, it's Christmas time, it's time to get gifts and give gifts. Jesus was the gift. Jesus was the gift. The gift to all humankind. So we would never have to suffer in guilt of conscience, because of our sins anymore. Our sin nature was dealt with at the cross. Can I get an amen for that? We are no longer held guilty for our sins, because Jesus paid the final sacrifice. It says, there is no remission of sins without the remission of blood. Jesus shed his blood so we could never have to worry about sins keeping us away from heaven again. I get an amen for that. Thank you, Jesus. It has nothing to do with our performance. Now, religion will tell you you got to be a good boy and a good girl if God might think about considering you to go to heaven. And you know it as well as I do. Ain't none of us going then. Thought, word, and deed. All of us fall short for the glory of God. If that was the case, we wouldn't need a Savior. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never, ever, ever do for ourselves. All glory and honor goes to our Lord and Savior. Amen? Now, in verse 13, the escape to Egypt. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. And he's quote in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Now, go with me to Luke chapter two. Is everybody with me so far? You're getting the real story about Jesus. And what's better than the truth? Amen. You know, I could always, you know, I could have came up with some great Christmas, but let me tell you something: the greatness is in the Word of God. Just the message alone from the Bible is worthy of praise. Can I get an amen for that? We don't need to twist this and make our own... We don't need to make a drama out of this. You know, the world loves what? Drama. Drama. You know what? I come to church to get away from drama. How about you? The world is full of drama. We don't want to bring drama to church. We want to bring truth to church. Can I get an amen? We want a reprieve from drama. See, when you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit in you... You you tend to say, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you have to say about people. I don't want to hear you talk about people. I don't need that. Keeping my own heart right is a 24-7 job. I don't need anybody else to tell me about somebody else. Because I always say, look, if you can't say it in front of them, that means you're talking something bad about them. So if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. My mother used to tell me. So I said, boy, before I found Jesus, there was nothing good. There's always a motive behind everything I said. Now I'm free of that. Now, I run away from it as far as I can. People start tripping about people. Don't want to hear that. Because you know what happens. You assassinate someone's character by talking about them because you might be upset with them. So you tell somebody else about something bad about them. Like I always said before, but what about the other side of it when they did good stuff? They never paint the picture of the whole picture, so they character assassinate people. And now the next time somebody sees them, don't even know them, don't like them. Can I get an amen for that? That's why it's so important not to gossip. The Bible talks about it worse than anything else. To keep it to yourself. Alright, let's go to verse one. The birth of Jesus. Oh. You know, I used to run to a lot of things personally to get set free, and it never set me free. It put me in bondage. I become consumed with other things. Exercise, toys, golf, baseball, this. this. It's like I I couldn't get enough of anything. I say, you know what? I was missing the mark. I can't get enough of Jesus now. If church was open seven days a week, I'd be here. Because I know that's what sets me free. Gives me peace. Look at verse 1. At that time, the birth of Jesus, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now we're going to continue with the story. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Verse 8. The shepherds and the angels. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now let me ask you this. Does Jesus Christ bring you joy? Beyond, you you know what's going on out in the world today, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. But we know one thing. Jesus Christ never changes. Everything around us might change and all things might happen, but the Word of God never changes. It says in the Bible, heaven and earth may disappear, but my words will never disappear. So I run to the Bible ultimately for comfort. I get on my knees and pray, Lord, please, have mercy on your people. Have mercy on me. And he gives me peace. It's peace that passes all understanding. And the only way to get that peace is to believe what the Bible says. You can hear it, but you have to believe what it says. And when you believe it, guess what? That peace that comes into your heart can't be getting out. You can't get it any other way. How do I know? Because I'm a living example of it. I can't get no peace anywhere else. I have a restless spirit, a restless soul. It's never, it's never satisfying. It's always reaching for something. Even after I'm saved and finding Jesus, I'm still finding my flesh wanting different things. But what does it do? It drives me back to my knees, back to the word of God of all truth where he's the only one that can give me peace. The devil wants me to forget that. He wants me to think that there's other sources of peace. He wants me to go back to Egypt, which is the world for comfort. Can I get an amen? And it traps a lot of Christians by that. Even Christians that know the word of God. There is no comfort in the world. It's always stressful and anxiety-driven and finger-pointing. I'm like that because of that. I'm like that because of you. I'm like that because of this. And I'm like that because of that. Instead of just getting in front of the mirror and saying, I'm like this because of me. And all my bad choices and decisions. But guess what? The Bible tells us it's never too late. Once you're saved, you can't get kicked out of God's family ever. How many times do we fail? Honestly, how many times do we fail to live a godly life? And how many times does God say, I don't see that. I see Jesus. Remember what I did for you? You forgot that I cleansed you from all that. You're letting the devil keep you with guilt and shame and condemnation again. You see, what happens is once we start growing up spiritually, we start outgrowing our sinful nature. And that's a process that takes time. As a matter of fact, it's going to take till we go home to be with them. Can I get an for that? We don't realize the problem is inward. We always look at the outward. If only that would change. If only they would go. If only my life was like this. If only this. If only that. No, if only I believed that Jesus said what he said he did, and I just believe it and hold myself to it, then I won't have to be concerned about that anymore. Rest. He says, I've died to give you a rich and satisfying life. How many Christians today can honestly say they have a rich and satisfying life with Jesus? And it doesn't cost anything. And it's not material. It's inward. You can have anything. Look, God doesn't want to take gifts from us. He wants us to have gifts. It's beautiful to receive gifts, ain't it? How many of us like gifts? Of course, right? Of course we do. But it's not that the gifts shouldn't have us. It doesn't matter. All right, so somebody gives me a gift, and maybe it's like an ugly sweater. Now, should I be disappointed because I didn't get what I wanted? That's what the flesh does. I knew I wanted wanted I wanted a cell phone for Christmas. See, when you got Jesus, you already have the gift. That doesn't change. you got the gift of life. It doesn't matter. When you become grown up spiritually, it doesn't matter about gifts anymore. You want to give them. You don't even want them. You can go from selfish to selfless. You want to be part of something. You want to be part of God's family. You want to give. You want to stop taking because you know you can't get enough. And once you do get back taken again, God says, you know what? Okay, go ahead. You want it? He says, go take it. He makes you take so much so you don't want it anymore. You're sick of it. Remember back in the Old Testament when they wanted meat? So we sick of the manna. Give us some meat. He says, you want some meat? Okay. He gave them quail. There was so much quail, they were throwing it up. This is what he does with our sin nature. He says, you want your sin nature back? Here you go. And he gives it back with a vengeance. And we go back after it again. Till we're so sick of it. Drives us back to one. He says, "What? I don't want that anymore. He says, good. That's why I gave it to you, later. How many of us is actually sick of it? Come on, now, really. How many, time, how many people are actually sick of the things they do that they can't stop on their own? Jesus provided a way out. So we don't have to live in bondage to that anymore. He set me free. Set me free from what? Materialism. Wanting outward things to satisfy an inward need. All right, let's continue. Go to verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Listen what he says right here. After they saw Jesus, what did they do? They told everyone what happened. Listen, after you get saved, you tell everybody what happened to you. Most people don't say a word about it. What is it? We don't want to be embarrassed because we found Jesus. I know when I first found it, I was like really reserved because people see me the other way before. They seen somebody that could care less about Jesus. Then I started, you know, because people look at the world like, what are you, what Jesus freak down? I said, you know, don't throw compliments like that at me. I'm not a Jesus priest yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) Because you can't really mention Jesus that much in the world today. People get offended by that name. Why just that name? You can mention Gandhi, Buddha, anything else. You mention Jesus? It seems to like makes people's skin crawl. You know why? Because it's truth. And if you don't have Jesus, you have something else, an evil force that you don't even know you're following. And the only way to get rid of that evil force is to believe in Jesus so we can help save you from that. Because I didn't know I was following something evil. I thought I was just following what the world does. But the Bible says Satan is the god of this world. So if I follow that system, that means I'm following him. So why would I want to get saved and go follow the world again? Then I'd be following the devil, but I got Jesus in. me. I use a little analogy, you know I, know, I don't know what show it was. I don't know if it was the Flintstones. There's a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other. And the, and the devil's picking at the, at the angel to get off, right? So he can do something nasty. Well, now it's the other way around. When you start believing in Jesus and reading the Bible and growing, you start kicking the devil off your shoulder. The power of Christ, amen? Because I can't do it in the flesh. My flesh likes what the devil offers. But my flesh hates what Jesus offers. So I have to what, fight this battle till I go home. I have to understand there's a war going on inside my mind. The, uh, the apostle Paul said it in Romans seven. I really can't understand myself. I get up and I want to do good, but I find myself doing wrong. I have this. I learned this principle in myself. When I want to do good, I do this sin living in me that does. There's something in me that drives me to do wrong. Nobody has to tell a little baby to stay stay away from the electrical socket. Nobody has to tell the devil to do wrong. We have to get taught how to do right. So we know it's in our nature from birth. Can I get an amen? The Bible's right on the money with it. How many of us are born into this world and automatically start doing right? How many times are you going to... You where's Jeremiah? I let him down right now. Where is that little boy? I let him down right now. The first thing he's going to do is something he's not supposed to and where's that come from? Nobody taught him how to do wrong. It was in him already. You think if you let him down one night, you think he'll come up and hug me and say, Thank you, Jesus? No, no, no. No. <laughs> he might kick me. <laughs> Get it? So we understand it. The Bible's right on the money with this sin nature. Who doesn't have one? <laughs> Alright, look at verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Verse 21. Eight days later, Jesus is presented in the temple. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. He's quoting Exodus 13, verse 2. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And he's quoting Leviticus 12 Verse 25, the prophecy of Simeon. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. And praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Look at verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Now just imagine now, Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit and they were still amazed. They still couldn't kind of figure this out. They still thought, like, this is a human being. How could it be God? They couldn't, still couldn't understand it. Who could? Jesus' parents were amazed what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God. But many people will many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword would pierce your very soul. The prophecy of Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of. Penu, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. or she had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Verse 41, Jesus speaks with the teachers. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Because they assumed, oh boy. Assumed. How many of us make a lot of assumptions? Huh? Everybody's raising their hand, right? All of us make a lot of assumptions. Look, they were wrong. (laughs) They assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? (laughs) Didn't you realize that I should be involved with my father's affairs? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Boy, wouldn't that be good for your kids to be obedient to your parents? Back in the Old Testament. Back in the Old Testament, the law. Kids that were disobedient to their parents. Does anybody remember what happened to them? Hmm, I don't even want to say Think about the world, how it's twisted. How children don't have to be obedient to their parents anymore. But they do whatever they want to do. And if, you t- and if you try to do anything to me, I might report you and get you in trouble. The kids have more power than the parents now. That's how you know that the world is twisted. That's how you know that the devil is in control of this system. He's taken the fabric of families and taken away from Jesus. How many actually sit out on Sunday and say prayers and have a Sunday dinner as a family anymore. Very few do. Why? Because the world's gotten in and crept into the church? Don't you wish, you know what, I wish everything was closed again on Sunday. Just so everybody would walk. Stop. Stop. What do people do? Thanksgiving, right? We're supposed to have Thanksgiving festival? Everybody's thinking of Black Friday. Like, oh, it's starting Thursday now. The stores are open at five. Wait a minute. Oh, I came by. Oh, I got it. I got it. All right. Hurry up. Hurry up. Have some, give me some of that. Oh, can I have some take home? Oh, oh, there's a big sale at Walmart. Sad. It's like every, everything that everybody ever wants is being taken from them and they're trying to get it from somewhere else. Family is the only reason why. That's why we gather. We're family. It's taking it or breaking it apart. And it's up to the parents to keep the family together. I try so hard. Even though I fail, I gotta leave it in God's hands, but I do my part to hold it together. To teach the children for the next generation that family is everything. To stop. Stop. But how many parents are doing that? How many parents are actually stopping and saying, look, no. Forget about cyber week. Let's go back to the roots of this country, where there was a church on every corner and the pews were filled with people that loved Jesus. And it's up to what it only takes one person to bring it back, and that's what we're doing here. Bring it back. I want it back. Did you want it back? There's only one way to get it back: it's to take it back. It's a choice. It's a choice to come back to church again. It, God doesn't force us to come back to him. Let's just go to verse 5. Then he returned to Nazareth. Let's close here. And with them, was obedient to them. And then his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Let me ask you this. Are you growing in favor with God? Not only with God, but with people. As a Christian... When you grow in favor with God, it's all about the relationships around you. They need to see Jesus coming out of you. They, are you growing in relationships with people, people that you might not like that much, people that might not have? Di- One thing the world's going like: if you don't think like me, you're not my friend. If you don't have my viewpoint, don't even talk to me. It's like, can't we just agree to disagree? Can't, you know, let the Holy Spirit, let God show them the way, even in church. People try to force their their growth on someone else and tell them what they should do. And it's like, listen, that never worked with me. Why would I try to force that on someone else? It doesn't work. You have to what? Pray. Like this. Lord, please bring my family back to me. Whatever you have to do, Lord, I love you. I can't bring them back, only you can. And then what? Leave it as hands and let them do the work. Can I get an amen? All right, take, let's close. Let's close this. Take this time of year to remember why we're buying gifts and putting up decorations. Please. Because God gave his son to us to make us part of his family. We give to others. Love is kind. And so because God loved us, we should show kindness to others. If we are Christ's followers, then we're part of his church. And it's our job to share him with those who don't know him. So during this holiday season, hopefully, when everyone around you is feeling kinder, more charitable, and cherishing their family time, don't neglect Jesus, the true meaning of Christmas. Please. I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. And God bless. God bless you. And listen, let us be examples of what Jesus has done in our lives. Look, without Jesus, I, don't, I wouldn't be breathing right now. I already know him without Jesus. I would not be alive right now if it wasn't for my Savior. And I thank him. Because without him, I'm nothing. And because of, I have him, now I'm everything. Now I do what I was created to do. Serve and honor Him. Thank you, Jesus. Found my purpose, why I exist. All right. Let's end this service. Let's close, okay? Let's close with a song and a prayer and a celebration. Amen? Let's give Jesus a hand clap tonight. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. All right. The girls are going to come up and sing... We're going to say a prayer, we're going to close, and we're going to go have another celebration and celebrate the birth of our Savior as a family.